I need some prescription medications. <laughs> All right. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to Creation Curve Leadership with Coach Ann Kimberly. And today, our very special guest is Amber Wakeham from Startup Kids Club. Hello. <laughs> So, Amber, you just rolled out of a meeting that I was in, hanging out with a bunch of parents and a few kids. Tell them all about the the shiny, fun stuff that you're doing with Startup Kids Club. So, we're just going to bring you in and have you do the same thing here. <laughs> well, maybe, maybe before maybe you say bit. what we're doing now, maybe you could tell the story of how it started. How did Startup Kids Club come to be? And then you can tell us how it's changing and what's happening now. Perfect. Yes, I'll give you the super fast condensed version. And by that, it's like 10 minutes long. Just kidding. Um, so yeah, that goes. <laughs> we got an hour. So um, I actually didn't mention this at the, the meeting we were in, but I used to teach at Cedar Creek Elementary and um, everyone knew me. And so when Harper went into kindergarten, they knew she was this bright incredible student and there was this little talk amongst the kinder pod like who's going to take harper she's this great smart kid she's going to be our model everything um and she ended up with a friend of mine uh halfway through kindergarten when they introduced reading and writing harp shut down just stopped working Hmm. and i would say she's like her mom she is very smart she's a perfectionist she's realizing that she's not spelling those words right it's making her angry um And so we kept following her and kept following her. And in first grade, her reading teacher decided, I'm going to just give her words. I'm not going to give her pictures. And let's see how she does. And discovered that Harper couldn't read. And by that, she really couldn't read even basic sight words like the and and. It was just confusing in her brain. Um, So she got identified in first grade as dyslexic. And at first, it wasn't terrible. We knew she was getting some help. But steadily, as you go through the years, you get more and more and more that you do. First first and second grade are heavy reading years when you're learning. And then third grade, it turns from learning to read to reading to learn. Um, <clears throat> so I would watch Harp just kind of feel defeated and like she was a failure and not working well. And um, one day last year, we had a garage sale. She came to us and she said, hey, mom, I want to sell lemonade at this garage sale. She'd done it before, hated it. <laughs> and mom would waste $20 and have a big, giant, sticky mess to clean up. Oh, good. <laughs> Perfect plan for a repeat. Yeah. So <laughs> I just looked at her and I said, Harper, you didn't like that. Is that all you can do? And um, she said, I guess not. Ended up coming back to us a little bit later, and when she realized garage sales are in the morning, she said, I'm going to sell coffee. Grown-ups like coffee. Mom, you like coffee? You can't get out of bed without it? I already know how to run the Keurig. I'm going to make you coffee. So she decided to sell coffee, and I asked her, Harp, what do grown-ups like in coffee? And she goes, well, sprinkles and whipped creams, of course. And I'm like, no, 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 not not at all. Some of us do. Some do, It's a a thing. You're right. That's more like a cafe latte or a cappuccino, a mocha, but just standard coffee. Maybe she doesn't quite have the training for lattes with sprinkles just yet. Not yet. Uh, But we ask her, kind of taking on that, what could you do? Taking that Socratic approach and saying, what could you do? Um, We ask her, where would you find out what people like? And she goes, let's go to Starbucks. 
So from this trip to Starbucks, she realized that people like plain old cream and sugar and discovered she wanted an employee. She wanted a menu. She wanted a logo. She wanted to put her logo on everything. Thank you, Starbucks. And developed her business, Flipping Coffee. We all want an employee until we don't have to pay them. So we have to pay them. <laughs> it's called a volunteer. <laughs> You're looking at the biggest <laughs> volunteer. You resemble uh, that remark, eh? <laughs> yeah, I actually I gave her a presentation about startup a few years ago and how um, my grandma tried to tell me not to be a teacher. And they didn't make much money. And I said, little did she know I'd end up in nonprofit, which makes even less money. <laughs> Uh, but that's not about me. It was about startup. So from that, though, Harper basically created Flippin' Coffee. They developed their logo. They developed their brand, which was come get the best cup of Flippin' Coffee. It's so, so good. She's <laughs> she's a gymnast, so she thought it was great. I love in the second grade she knew what a double entendre was. I've raised her well. Very smart. <laughs> uh, but, you know, the day that they actually launched their little coffee stand on the corner – they made over $100 in profit. That meant they paid for their K-cups. They paid for their T-shirts that they decided had to have mm. um, the cricket die-cut vinyl on. They paid for their labels. They paid for their cups. Anything and everything you can imagine to create this business, they did. And so $100 was their takeaway profit. So it was at that moment when I saw her inner element. I mean, she was making connections. She was figuring things out. She was really thriving. So... My takeaway as a teacher was like, why aren't we actually teaching kids this? This is what life is like. This is what they're going to do for the rest of their life. They're not going to be taking a test. So we should be focusing on empowering these kids. So I set out, created startup, and here we are. Not even a year later. (laughs) You know, Ben and I both have a background in teaching also. And we have often discussed how kids who are not like quote-unquote good students um, are good at lots of things but school is really geared towards a certain type of learner and it can be so 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 damaging to um, students who don't learn in that specific way. 35 percent of successful entrepreneurs actually are dyslexic so think about people like Steve Jobs, Richard Branson, Henry Ford those were all very successful entrepreneurs who had innovative ideas who were dyslexic. Um, There are very limited number of people if you look at the one out of 10 who have it. So the success rate is much higher. If you take ADHD, which also is very prevalent. I was going to say, if you add in ADHD, you might have 100% of the entrepreneurs. (laughs) There are 62% of successful entrepreneurs have some sort of entrepreneurial. (laughs) I mean, they have some sort of ADHD trait. One in 10 adults identifies as having ADHD, but 60% of entrepreneurs, absolutely insane. It's the way that your brain is wired to actually... It's missing something, the connections there, but in the relevance of actually the way it works as an entrepreneurship, it just, it's their natural element. Yeah, I think as an entrepreneur, you have to flip channels so often. So when you're in a big corporate job, it's every, every job is so specialized. You have a person for every single thing. Mm-hmm. But when you start your own business, you have yourself for every single thing. And so you have to be able to change the channel sometimes six or seven times in a day. It just, it makes so much sense to me. Mm, yeah. have, have you guys heard of gray matter? Have you looked at the studies on gray matter in the brain? Well, tell us a little bit about it. <laughs> Do you know, Ben? 
I know that that's what the brain's made out of. <laughs> you know, it so, exists. All right. So gray matter is so this. So no, basically no. <laughs> gray matter is this elusive substance in your brain. You were born with the most amount of gray matter you'll ever have in your life. And what gray matter is notoriously known for is your risk-taking ability. So when you're huh. young and you've got all this gray matter, you're jumping off roofs, you're taking all of these risks. And then as you get older especially around puberty, your gray matter kind of disappears. And so that's when you look back and you're like, how the heck did I jump off that roof? How did I do this or that? That's crazy. Because your consciousness, um, Thompson, they've shown that entrepreneurs have more gray matter in their brain than average people. (laughs) That makes so much sense. Because, I mean, really, I think a lot of entrepreneurship is being willing to fail. Like, not everything works. And so... If you have a big fear of failure, it's hard to put yourself out there when like what, like 20 percent of startups make it like after five years or something. I I don't know. I might be messing up the statistic, but you're really likely to try some things that don't work. And if you can't recover from that, then you really can't do it. And, you know, that's kind of my approach and philosophy around why I created Startup and why I want it to happen when they're young is that you're getting them when they're more resilient. They're more able to take that and not really take it personal. As an adult, if you put yourself out there and something terrible happens, it's terrible. Even just moving, moving from one house to another, we're so emotionally attached. We don't have that resiliency piece that kids do. But kids, on the other hand, they're like, all right, whatever, new school, one day. Band-Aids off, I'm good. So um, if you can catch them when they are just eager, they're enthusiastic, they're able to adapt more, imagine the connections that we can make and the difference that we can make by the time they're adults. Right on, right on. So that's where we (coughs) – that's how it started. Uh, And Kimberly and I and Jack, we just – we on Sunday night went to your awards – show <laughs> for yeah, it really was a award show it was know. the small yeah. business awards like yeah, literal small small. Yeah. <laughs> small people <laughs> small people small business that was my double entendre right there right right so in this last year give us a, a quick a quick snapshot um, of what happened because i mean there's a whole lot that happened in one year it actually hasn't even been a year um amazingly enough this is off topic but um in April of last year, when we had our original garage sale and I had this low idea moment, um, a week later, I got pneumonia. Oh. About two weeks after that, my lung collapsed and I was in the hospital a week. Dude. Yeah. That's hardcore. Uh, it was. And go the doctor. Go home. <laughs> uh, well, it didn't stop there. The doctors weren't kind of paying attention to what they gave me and caused drug induced lupus. So not only did my organ collapse once, it collapsed mm. twice. And then my heart started acting funky. And then my, like, all of your major organs, lupus, affects that. So I was actually at a commission from April until June, um, the end of June, actually. So sometime around the beginning of July when I'm like, this isn't terrible, I'm going to recover. Okay, I've got this idea. I'm going to bring it to life. So I actually didn't really start putting startup to play in until July. We launched in September. Um, wow, so really not been a <laughs> I know, um, we had, I had already talked to Ian, so we had one location. And then once I kind of started talking about it in July and I had this great story, like, yeah, I just got out of the hospital from the last, you know, being there two weeks over the past two months, um, and being on terrible bed rest. 
uh, people kind of really started to bite on what I was saying. So before we even launched our first location, we had three. Um, so we had our first semester at three locations last year. Uh, and I turned down a ton of people because I was just one person and I couldn't do it all. So, um, I focused a lot on making sure that I was building an authentic program and I really wanted to make sure what I was doing was going to work and it was going to be reputable and authentic and meaningful. So I didn't hit people up for money. I didn't really do anything, but I just taught. Um, so when we got to the end of the semester, we had about 500 people at our first market. Um, our second one had about 2,500 people that showed up. We were on the radio twice over that period. We, Where did these markets happen? The first one we had was at um, this place in East Austin. It was an uh, RV lot, actually. We converted it into a market, which uh. is perfect. Um, our second market we had at Westlake High School. Oh, so, wow. yeah. Um, so we're looking for our spots for this year. Um, cool. But during that time, we were able to be on the radio. We were in the paper. We were all over the place. And by the time that our semester finished, I had already committed to other locations with talks of more. So um, we're going into our second semester. We've got six locations that will be actively participating in classes this semester. And um, our small business award that you mentioned, we had about 150 people show up. So not bad for a little startup. (laughs) Nonprofit. Not bad for being, well, let's see, let's do some math. What July was seven. So seven months ago. Seven months ago. Jeez. <laughs> yeah, that's no joke. That's no joke for real. So already you're expanding. Mm-hmm. Already uh, you, you, you're starting multiple classes in multiple locations mm-hmm. now. Um, including here, we're, we're here at Orange Co-working, of course, and our listeners are very familiar with, with Orange. Um, but, uh, you know, we're, we're, you're doing an instance here, Mm -hmm. you know, um, two at our son's school, Mm -hmm. you know, and so there's, there's a lot, there's a lot of things happening. Uh, are you finding people coming out of the woodwork to help you? Are you having to, to, to beat the bushes a little bit? I mean, what's going on? You know, know, slowly, but surely actually, um, a really dear and wonderful friend of mine, Kelly Bethke, um, her and I were not really dear great friends six months ago. Um, <laughs> I worked before were I started you enemies? this. No, we no, just okay. were acquaintances. Our kids went to school together. Uh, and so I knew her. And um, I was actually, I quit my job this last semester, as you guys know. Mm-hmm. Um, I worked in the office at Eanes Elementary. And she walked in and I was like, yeah, I won't be here much longer. So we started talking, and she goes, hey, I have worked with some nonprofits. If you're interested in a consult, let's get together. So we did. She had taken me out that day because she was going to tell me her services were $300 an hour, and she'd be so happy to help me. (laughs) Um, But by the end of that conversation, me talking about my mission and my drive and my purpose, she said, I want to be involved. I want to give you five hours a week. So at first, she donated five hours a week of her time. And now I don't even want to think about how much time she spends on helping us. And I mean, I just don't know what I'd do without her. Um, wow, and so that's incredible. It is. Thanks to Kelly. I love Cheers. her. Cheers. Um, <laughs> from there, though, we've had a couple of other people jump on Finger Pulse Media in um, Westlake. They got me a videographer. And I just revamped our entire curriculum and made this really great 
almost 100-page book that the kids will get, and um, they're doing all of the proofing and editing to send it off to print for us, which I was told is about a $10,000 service. So, oh, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah. Printing a book is no, is no joke, man. Yeah, so uh, I would not be able to do that without them because... Like I said, I didn't ask for a lot of money. We got $1,200 is what our program sustained on last year. So <laughs> like I said, That's biggest nice. unpaid volunteer ever. This, like, <laughs> this borders on the miraculous. You know, I mean, with how, how much is happening and will happen on such a short, such a shoestring budgets. It, I, mean, you know. I got lucky so far, but, it, you know, it's not always going to be that way. I was able to sweet talk myself into... Um, getting hosted last semester to all, all of our locations. Um, unfortunately, some of them are going to start charging us this semester. Um, both of our markets, we were able to get our chairs and our tents donated, but that might not always happen. Um, mm. I was able to talk the hotel into giving us the room. Um, yeah, nice. So nice. we didn't have to pay for that. But, you know, as we go, we'll have to start having those expenses. And um, unfortunately, having a complete free program with only $1,200 will not sustain. So, um this coming semester, we're going to really try to make sure that we're covering our expenses and our budgets and being able to make this where ultimately we can make it a national program because it definitely has the potential of being the next big brother, big sister. Yeah. So I have a question. As you are doing something that is kind of outside of what school teaches, have you gotten any pushback or are people just really thirsty for it and excited because they see that void? Most of the time, people have been really excited about it sometimes. I think a lot of people know that there's something wrong with our education system. No. <laughs> <laughs> but it's going to take a lot to fix it. Uh, I taught a seminar last week on the benefits of entrepreneurship and kids. And um, I was doing some research because I know that you hear a lot of millennials are moving in with their parents. And so I was like, I got to have a number on that. For the first time in 75 years, more adult children live at home with their parents than ever before. Wow. It is crazy. And I really, truly, honestly think a lot of that has to do with our education system. I was telling you early, Kimberly, I was part of that 35. um, The TOS test came out, and that was our first real big standardized testing that we were doing. And the emphasis switched from let's have critical thinking, let's teach them to solve problems to let's teach them the information they need to know. And so now we've got all of these adults who go off in the real world who don't know how to manage their money or solve their problems or deal with failure. So Hashtag adulting. <laughs> so they, That's why it's a hashtag. We're all like, right. this sucks. Yes. Yeah, so they, you know, go back to what they know, what, what really is their savings grace and that's moving in with their parents and so um, those kids don't know how to deal with failure they don't know how to be adaptable they don't know how to solve those problems and I really think a large part of that does go back to our shifting education system I'll save that tangent for later (laughs) right on right on as I was a high school English teacher and Ben taught high school computers and so of course they don't test on computers and so his teaching life was so incredibly different than my teaching life. And the thing is that the more that they try to standardize to protect, quote unquote, the less freedom the teacher has to like really cue into her students as individuals Mm -hmm. and say, 
what does this particular class really need? And to be creative, it becomes so difficult. Teachers' hands are tied so much. They really are. And there's a term that they use in the educational world right now called differentiated practices. And so this is the big fancy term that they use if you ever hear the superintendent or the principal talk. We look to differentiate our practices and make each child's experience single-handedly beneficial to them. Excuse my language. It's bullcrap. That's it, not bad language. <laughs> Since you're on the wrong show if you think <laughs> that is bad language. Yeah, you, need to, you need to crank it up a little bit here. When you have a classroom of 22 students, which is the ratio that I know um, our district operated on. But um, a lot of classrooms, I mean... There are kids that are like 35, 40 students in exactly. first grade. You're right. Um, That's crazy. I can't even imagine. Our district operated on third grade and under with a 22 to 1 ratio, which is still a lot, especially if you look at we're in a day and age where people are learning more about differences and identifying autism, that one in five kids has some sort of autism. And then you throw in ADHD, you throw in dyslexia, you throw in whatever else there is out there those gifted students who are alongside all of those kids at the same time, in practice, we really would love to give each child the most beneficial education that they can have, but it's just not feasible. And most of those kids fall through the cracks because they're not staying on par to meet those standards that they need to take that test. Right. And then when you're giving those kids extra help, you're trying to manage like you know, to talk in StrengthsFinder terms, I don't know if you've looked at StrengthsFinder before, but we spend so much effort managing weaknesses. Mm-hmm. So the best that we can do is make them, like, more mediocre. Like, get them from, like, bad to mediocre at, at whatever the thing is. Whether <laughs> you're, be more mediocre. Whether you're an adult or, or you're a first grader, like, you're, you have this thing that just doesn't click for you and you're struggling with it. So now, to give you extra help, we're going to do more and more and more and more and more of that. And then the mm-hmm. message is, I'm a bad student. Exactly. I'm a failure. I'm not, you know, like, I'm never going to make it. Mm-hmm. And, and so, and we're net, we're still, the individual attention is not queuing into their intelligence. You know, the, the multiple intelligences that human beings have. Absolutely. And so they're never being, um, come alongside to actually draw out the thing that they are good at. Exactly. And, and that they could be confident around. Because at the end of the day, they still have to take this test, and they're trying to protect the results exactly. of the test for your funding, for you know your parent happiness, your and raises. all the things that come along with that. The raises, yeah, it's it's a yeah, it's all about a number. You want to be a percentage. Mm-hmm. You want to keep that exemplary status. Um, I you want to keep improving the way that the right. laws are the laws are written, and so you could be like a ninety six percentile next year. You really want to be ninety seventh. Yeah. When 96 is fantastic, you know, but yeah. if you go from 96 to 95, oh no, if you we're, have a, we're slipping as a school, you know? Yeah. If your school actually performs under a certain percentage for two years, you get put on probation. And I mean, it's crazy the way those laws are changed and we make our kids feel like failures. We really, truly do. And I can speak for testament from my own daughter who is very capable. We had a 504. We had all of the things that they say are supposed to help them. She never got access to that. If you would have allowed her to be able to sit there and articulate herself, she's very well-spoken. She's very capable. Um, She can listen and comprehend things at a 10th grade level, and she's in the third grade. 
that's huge. So we should be playing into those strengths, but that's not natural. And when you're in a large classroom setting, playing into those strengths doesn't fit the general need of the room. And there's just, there's only so many hours in the day. Yep. So to do that without funding for like a one-on-one teacher, it just, it can be, I mean, teachers have a hard gig. They're, they should be they stinted. Do. They do. You know, so I agree. Um, whatever's wrong with the educational system, it's not the teachers suck. Teachers are fantastic, but it's just, it's so rigged. The game is so rigged. Mm-hmm. And so. I'll say this actually last semester, um, we just recently pulled Harper. I mentioned to you earlier, she's no longer where she was. Um, she's at a private school. And it was all because third grade's a big year. Third grade is when you start to read to learn. And um, I put a big push for her, not only her access to technology and to be able to use speech to text, but for her to have some sort of emotional support because self-esteem is a big thing that they find with students with learning disabilities and being a girl, having, being a girl in general. I mean, when we hit puberty, it's terrible. The world falls apart. <laughs> oh, we, we hate ourselves. We're fat. We're terrible. Oh, my gosh. No one will like us. But um, I really wanted to make sure that she was making sure her self-esteem was safeguarded. Um, my drawing point to move her was when they denied her accommodations on this big, giant assessment that they did, uh, a national standardized assessment, and then came to me and said, your daughter's in the bottom four percentile she's performing with students with down syndrome and autism and i say you're testing her disability you're not testing her ability so that yeah yeah is where i said we're done we're done so what's on tap for this next semester that is going to be different i mean obviously you've learned a ton of lessons already in such a short amount of time um What's going to be the differentiating factor for this next six months? So, you know, one of the big things when I was sitting down to write the curriculum and I was looking at what I'd previously had, um, when the kids came up with their idea, it was like, what's your idea? Is it a product or a service? What's your mission? That was the third question that I had them ask about their um, about their business. And I kind of was analyzing that as I was sitting there rewriting that. And I'm like, oh my gosh, why did I think they could come up with a mission when we hadn't even talked about their audience or what mattered to them or any of these things? And so I was really able to adapt from that experience and put it where it's going to be more organic and it's going to be more beneficial to these students. Um, In the books, we added a lot more information where it's like self-directed. If they want to look ahead and they want to work on something because they're really excited, they can and they're going to know how to figure it out. Um, for my kids who are moving on to their second semester, they already know the basics. Um, so we're going to work about building it. So we've got a lady coming in who's a business model canvas expert. She drafted a kid version and she's going to, yeah, she's going to walk them through setting up a business model canvas. We're going to teach them about putting together a 10 card deck, building a website, perfecting your pitch. So it's going to be a much more interactive feel, um, than what the first semester was. So Mm. it's interesting that, that the phasing, I guess, is, is coming about naturally and organically. I think that's really interesting. Uh, so in this next six months to a year, um, how can how can folks become like, now? This is a this is an Austin gig right now, right now. You know, and uh, obviously, you know, folks who are listening to this are like, why why is this in my kid's school? You know, and so, we can be, yeah. <laughs> 
So how can they? How can folks from outside of Austin? Because we're startup capital universe, right? right? I mean, gosh, golly, of course this exists here, and and you're just a person to do this, and this is a, it's amazing. How can folks outside of Austin and maybe even inside of Austin get involved right now? So one, they can visit the website. The website startupkidsclub.com has a ton of information. Um, I put really detailed blogs about our experience last semester down to the games that we played um, and how they related to what we were learning. Um, There's information about what we're doing, our locations. Um, Part of what I spent so much time last semester developing was everything that I did, I did it with the intent that it could be done somewhere else by someone other than me and um wow Wow. just saying wow are are you sure you're narcissistic enough to be a startup person (laughs) (laughs) going into it you know i really 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 was hoping that it would be something that could be a girl scouts a boy scouts a big brother big sister it could take over and you could get these volunteers that say i want this here let me have it so that's why the blogs are there with the this is the game we played this is how we did it step by step this is the mentor who came in this is what they talked about this is what you know the lesson was for the day so that i can pass that off i can kind of train the trainer and say we would love to be in california we would love to be in new york and oklahoma wherever you are contact us because our program is free and we are doing so much to make sure that it is scalable in a way that is authentic and true and meaningful so we can be anywhere yeah right right <laughs> i just need some volunteers or some money to mm-hmm. hire a teacher and, and some money right? <laughs> and some money yes so so those of you who those of you startup gazillionaires out there we have <laughs> the place for your money right here right now yeah, you know, and there are there are folks out there who are looking to uh, you know, to propagate these big ideas and these kinds of solution finding things. And they really see startup mentality and the, the disruption mentality as advancing the human race as a whole. Mm-hmm. And so I think that that startup kids is uniquely positioned to really fill so many gaps. And I think there's a lot of startup folks out there. If they as soon as they learn about that, I. You know, so startup people, I know you're listening to this. I know that you're, you know, that you're, that you're tuning in. This is the place. This is the gal. You need to come find her. <laughs> you need to yes, throw some money her way. <laughs> Not just the money, though. I, you know, we're in the process of applying for grants and trying sure. to get some corporate sponsors and things of that nature. But truly, just to kind of tie back to what I was saying, the reason I wanted to keep this program free was because I feel that the classrooms are really not teaching the kids about life. And this is a way to be an extension of the classroom. So why charge somebody for something that they are missing out on? And um, we're kind of taking the shift this semester. We're still free, but we'd love if your family can make it, do a monthly contribution while they're enrolled, um, just so we can make ends meet. Um, I'm not trying to get rich. I just want my daughter and every other kid in the world to really feel prepared when they go out there. And I'm not trying to make a million entrepreneurs. I'm trying to make a million kids who know how to handle life. And who see, who see possibility outside mm-hmm. of the box. Yep. So let's shift a little bit. As you are trying to, you have this mission to find a million kids and help them handle life. How, how do you find 
leading kids to be the same as leading adults or how is it different? Like there have to be some unique things about leading kids into these ideas. Yeah. So I don't know if it's on the same topic, but I kind of touched on this in our parent meeting earlier. I use a mixed age approach, almost like a Montessori where you've got all these different kids in the different rooms. And the reason I do that is because you've got these kindergarten kids who need somebody to look up to. And you've got these junior high, high school kids who are like, oh my gosh, what am I doing here? But the approach I take is, you know what? Be a leader. Like, be a leader. Rise up. Mm-hmm. Take ownership here. Leave a mark. Make an impact. And those kids are noticing, the little ones are noticing those criterias. But on the other side of it, those big kids are learning what it's like to be the little kid. So the next year when that eighth grader goes to ninth grade and they're the little fish, they know what it's like. They've got that empathy and they can say, huh. I need to find somebody out who manifests those qualities that I really, really, really embedded myself. I need to find someone like me that can help me. So we're creating this cycle almost. And so um, it takes a little bit of modeling, modeling the behavior, but they all bought on. And um, by the end of our semester, like our little high school kids were asking where our elementary kids were and our, they would just... It was really special to see. Um, And it's like the work life. When you're going into an office, you've got people who are 21 right out of college, and you've got 60-year-olds. You've got to learn how to find your mold in society and intermingle. And Mm -hmm. Why not start young? Yeah, that's awesome. How cool would it be to be a high schooler and get to be part of that kind of paradigm shift with like a second grader, third grader? Where, like, you are a person who made a huge difference in the trajectory of this kid's life, you know? Exactly. Um, you, don't, you don't get very many opportunities mm-hmm. like that. No. So how excellent. I, um, our last day, um, we played this game. It was called Talking Behind Your Back. And I taped a piece of paper on all the mm-hmm. kids' back. And um, I told them, leave a positive feedback for them. Just anonymous. Like, don't let them figure it out. And so they would leave all of these things. And I had given them this criteria not to mention their business. So we took all of the papers. They had their name and pencil on the other side. And I laid them on the floor. And they were trying to figure out which one was theirs, all of the things that people have said about each other. Uh And um, most of them couldn't because they're like, wait, what? You thought I was a really kind person? What? You thought I was a great leader? These were coming out of their mouths from people in high school down to kindergartner and all the way in between so nice all right so as we bring this on in for lenny tell us one more time where can we find you at www.startupkidsclub.com nice any social media channels we do we have a facebook page at startupkidsclub.com um instagram i will say i'm a little I haven't switched over to the startup. It's a little Kids sparse right now, but that's cool. Well, no, it's actually not that oh, sparse. Oh, really? But okay. Instagram is one of the only social media platforms you actually have to manually log out and log back onto another account. Um, so we use my Austin Amber seven twenty two. Uh, but Facebook, I would say, is the big one. They've fixed it. There's an update now. Where oh you my can gosh, go are you to sure? a drop down. And it um, changed my life just a little bit. I still mess it up, though, too. So just so you know. But then the downside <laughs> is you forget what account you're in yes. and then occasionally post, like, the wrong thing to your business account. Although, you know, 
it's not like there's anything scary going on in my personal Instagram. Instagram, they let you use the hashtags. I mean, the hashtags are a big way to find them. So I think that was, you know, I'll probably still keep using Austin Amber because I love it. But I can hashtag everything. Um, So the website, startupkidsclub.com. Um, Facebook at Startup Kids Club. We've got some great stuff out there. Um, ways to volunteer, ways to give back. The way we've outlined our volunteer experiences, you don't have to commit every week. We just want you one hour. One hour. Come and make a difference. Nice. All right. Well, you've been listening to Christian Curve Leadership with Coach and Kimberly and Amber. Amber, thanks so much for hanging out with us today. Anytime. Thanks so much for everything that you're doing. Not just because our kid gets to be a part of it this <laughs> semester, but what a fantastic way to spend your days. How excellent. Yeah. All right. Well, that's it, gang. Thanks for tuning in, and uh, we'll see you next time. Thanks, guys. Peace.